Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Building things can be really hard, and entrepreneurship is often portrayed in the media as the sexy or even worse, easy career path. Through this series, we plan to pull back the curtain and tell the gritty stories of entrepreneurship. We're striving to create a relaxed environment where entrepreneurs feel free to tell their stories. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. I am Jeremy Scheinwald. I am not a journalist. I'm an entrepreneur, and I am the founder of missiondrivengroup.com. Also a board member of VFA, and together with VFA and CBS Digital, we are putting together this podcast to showcase gritty entrepreneurial stories. We've had a great run already. We've interviewed Dan Porter of OMG Pop, Shara Mendelson of Plum Benefits, Will Nathan of Home Polish, and more. If you're enjoying the podcast, tell your friends. You can follow VFA on Twitter at Venture4America, the number four that is, Venture4America. You can like VFA on Facebook and follow VFA's LinkedIn page. VFA, uh, so you know, is an amazing opportunity for college grads to get their feet wet and discover the world of entrepreneurship. And it's also a tremendous community of entrepreneurs. Um, for me, I'm Jeremy Scheinwald. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Jeremy Scheinwald on there. As far as I know, uh, I enjoy helping aspiring entrepreneurs where possible, so feel free to reach out to me. Today, we have a pretty special podcast. I'm interviewing Brian Rudolph, founder of Bonza Pasta. I'm not just excited about interviewing Brian because I recently tried Brian's chickpea pasta recipe and thought it was great. And I should note that my wife and I will be picking some up at Fairway around the corner from our apartment on the Upper West Side. Uh, but I'm also excited to be interviewing Brian because he's a VFA fellow who proves that this program works. After graduating from Emory, he joined the first class of VFA fellows and then joined quickly. Uh, while at quickly, he laid the foundation for Bonza and launched his company um, during his fellowship. He's raised almost $2 million in angel investment, and now his firm Bonza has created 25 new jobs in Detroit. What do you do for an encore? Well, Bonza's hired three VFA fellows uh, and just yesterday announced that they would be donating equity in Bonza to VFA. Venture for America is a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to revitalize American cities and communities through entrepreneurship. Brian Rudolph is proof that VFA's impact is real. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, well, if you can't, uh, you're not going to see Brian, so you can see that he's blushing. He, uh, yeah. Yesterday, he was, <laughs> he was saluted at VFA's summer celebration. Uh, he gave a speech. He was awesome. And, uh, oh, and he, uh, he's, he certainly exhibits um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of humility as well. Uh, but you are basically the poster boy for VFA. I mean, did you, did you think um, you would be an entrepreneur? Do you think you'd be an entrepreneur today if it were not for VFA? Yeah, wow. Um, yeah. So, so just to start, um, I think you could have taken any Venture for America fellow from my class, thrown them up there, and they would have had just as unique of a story. Um, but, but uh, I guess as far as as far as uh, did I think I was going to be an entrepreneur? Um, you know, I think there was always a part of me that that loved the idea of starting a company. Um, I think Venture for America helped make that more of a reality. So, uh, 
Yeah, before, before Venture for America, it was kind of like one of those things that sounds great in theory, but Venture for America totally made it real. Okay. Let's, um, I, I want to get to Bonza for sure, because, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's your baby, but I, I'm also curious about your path to VFA, because when you joined, I mean, you're, you're a member of the first class. Yeah. And so VFA itself was a startup and, and an unproven entity. In, in some ways, you were taking a risk on VFA. How did you find VFA, and why, why did you, uh, you know, why did you join the, why did you attempt to and then join the first class? Yeah, uh, so I, I was looking into uh, into consulting, and I actually I heard Andrew speak uh, while I was doing my job search, and uh, was pretty was pretty I guess blown away by his message, um, and at some point it just kind of clicked that this was what I wanted to do, and um, you know it, it it was it was a it, yeah it, it really it just it clicked. So you didn't, so you <laughs> I know. I wish. Yeah. So you didn't feel like it was risk at all. You just you you you, uh, you submitted your application. You came down to New York for a for a uh, for one of the group interview sessions, and yeah, you, you were know, sold. You just dropped consulting, uh, which is a far less risky, less higher risky. paid career. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was there was something about it uh, that felt way less risky than it actually was. Um, <laughs> I guess being surrounded by uh, the people that were also at my interview day. Um, I was I was just so impressed with the other applicants for the program, so uh, it felt very real for however much of a startup it was at the time, um, and maybe maybe that's why it just I just kind of went for it. <laughs> and did you did you know did, did you have a desire to go to Detroit? You ended up at Quickly. Um, we'll, let's talk about that. Um, but did you know where you were, when did you know where you were going and and what you'd be doing? Yeah, from from my perspective, when I went into the program, uh, I hadn't really thought that much about what city I was going to go to. It was more about where I could get the best opportunity to learn uh, really how to start my own company. And uh, at Quickly, I, I had the opportunity to be the first employee there and uh, really was impressed with the, the guy who had started the company. His name was Sean. And uh, just that, that was what sold me uh, more than the city. And then while I was there, did fall in love with Detroit, but it definitely didn't happen in the other order. It wasn't Detroit first. So you're, you're the first employee at Quickly. Uh, tell us, I mean, what, what, what does Quickly do? And tell us what your job was on day one, considering there were two of you, I imagine they were varied. Yeah, yeah, so this was, uh, this is three years ago, and initially the thought was Quickly was gonna be the, the Groupon killer, actually. Uh, it was an e-commerce play that was supposed to be almost like Groupon, but on steroids. Just this time-based version of Groupon, instead of being 24 hours, the faster you were to respond, the better your reward. Um, and while I was there, uh, I went from wearing every single hat to then being kind of in like a growth kind of role where it was finding as many people as we could to sign up for the platform. Uh, the company itself has evolved uh, in a pretty major way since, uh, but, uh, but ultimately ended up taking on a sales role. And uh, to me, that was, that was probably the, the most impactful opportunity for me because uh, when you're selling and you're trying to get to major brands, uh, we... <laughs> There was a point where I was reaching out to 60 people a day cold, uh, which was just unbelievably exhausting. Um, but, you know, it kind of speaks to the kind of learning experience you can have when you're a Venture for America fellow. So, so yeah, so what were the major takeaways from your time at Quickly? How did it influence you as you started your firm? Yeah, um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that was really, to me, uh, that was one of the biggest things was just, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're in an opportunity to, to get the word out about something that you're working on, um, having confidence in it and understanding that uh, you're <laughs> understanding, I guess, the way that sales work, uh, that you do have to follow up. It's not going to be the first response, but it might be the fifth, the sixth. 
uh, and just being you know polite but also relentless at the same time. Uh, that was something that I took away from reaching out cold to these executives at, at major companies um, and just being fearless about it. So when does the, how far into quickly does the, does the Bonza idea come to you and where does it come from? Yeah, um, so, so it was interesting because I, at some point it hit me that I wanted to start a technology company while, while I was in Venture for America and um, I, was, I was playing around with all these different ideas and I would test them out and, and a lot of them just, just weren't panning out the way that I wanted them to. Uh, I, would I would cold call entrepreneurs in the space and, and ask them what they thought of these ideas that I was working on and it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't happening. And I got really frustrated. And meanwhile, I had this hobby of making uh, <laughs> making a healthier pasta in my kitchen. And it was it was totally just a, a bizarre hobby that my roommate was thought I was a little bit crazy. Um, but but I, I, it kind of hit me that if we approached it right, um, starting a food company could be just as ambitious as starting a technology company. And that's the way that we've approached it from day one: is how can we uh, change? An entire category, and and so uh, with Bonza, we want to change pasta the way that Chobani has changed yogurt, uh, making a higher protein, more healthy version of something that people eat all the time. And uh, once I kind of had that positioning in my mind, uh, it, it almost just became like, okay, this is this is what I what I was meant to do. So, uh, but how do you get from? First of all, how much testing did you do? How much pasta did you eat, did you eat in the in the lead up to uh, to Bonza? <laughs> So yeah, um, <laughs> so so I guess I mean other pasta. Um, you know, I, I part of the the reason why I started making it in my kitchen was because I, I love pasta, but I just couldn't find a healthy one. Um, and so I was just making it for myself. So so I had been making this. Um, I, I must have made it multiple times a week for the first three or four months, um, and it, it just it, it went from not being very good, uh, like actually being pretty awful. To, uh, to getting a lot better over time. And after after doing it for maybe dozens of times, uh, it was something that, uh, going back to my roommate Brent, I think he went from he went from tolerating it to actually asking about it all the time. And I was <laughs> like, all right, maybe there's there's something here. <laughs> so so you're, he's, he's tolerating, he starts asking about it. Uh, you know, how do you make the first sale? Like, uh, what, what is it? Is it, uh, you know, do you, did you actually have a box and you got out there and, and pitched it to a grocery store? Yeah, it's it's a pretty long story how it all kind of unfolded. Um, the, we, we got time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so the very first thing that happened was I, I you know I, Venture for America encouraged me to to take this idea and and make it real. So uh, they encouraged me to do this this crowdfunding campaign, and in the crowdfunding campaign we raised, uh, including some awards from Venture for America, it was close to thirty thousand dollars. And in that process, we got found by a reality TV show. So very non-traditional way of getting your, your company out there. But uh, you know, that, was, that was right near the end of the crowdfunding campaign. We get this email. And you know, at, the, at this point, uh, I, I somehow convinced my brother, uh, who is, who is uh, in private equity, uh, to consider helping me out with this concept. And then when this, this reality TV show opportunity presented itself, um, you know, we, we had formed the LLC, I think the day before, and we were just like, you know what, let's, let's just give it a shot, see, see what we can do. And, and we knew it was going to be like a food focused version of Shark Tank. And uh, I, I think Scott really liked the idea of Shark Tank. <laughs> and, uh, and we just, we, we went for it. And so that, that uh, we filmed for that probably three weeks later. 
Um, we, we had to figure out within that three week time period how to actually make our product at scale and uh, at a smaller scale. We'll get to a larger scale later. <laughs> um, but making it at a smaller scale so that we had something we could bring on TV. And then, yeah, we, when, we, when we went on TV, uh, we, you know, we, we ended up getting investment from a celebrity chef, but, and his name is Joe Bastianich. Um, you know, he, he's business partners with Mario Batali. He's one of the owners of Italy, uh, very well respected. And it was a huge risk in retrospect. Like we were out of our minds for going on that show because we had, we had made this pasta for the first time three days before going on the show. And we were presenting it to a celebrity chef who his job is literally to have a fantastic palate. So, um, we got really lucky that it was, it was, uh, it was good. And, um, and, and then it, things have just kind of compounded since then. Okay, so you're about to go on this, on this reality TV show, which I, yeah. which I think is Restaurant Startup. Uh, yep. and, uh, and are you still cooking stuff in your home at that point, in your home kitchen? Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was definitely a pretty natural progression of first I was just taking this dough, flattening it out, cutting it with a knife just to get some form of a shape. Uh, and then from there, I bought this hand crank that's like traditionally used in Italy, and uh, it's called like an Atlas Marcato, and uh, was cranking out different shapes. And then I went to a pawn shop and bought this like electronic one that that also could do even more interesting shapes. Um, but ultimately, then we we found someone we could partner up with who would do it. Probably, I mean, at at ten times the scale of what I was doing at in my kitchen. Um, and, and that was, that was pretty wild to see. I, I was like jumping for joy the first time that it was actually coming out into shape. So I was at the, again, I was at the VFA summer celebration last night. So I've got the advantage of having, having heard this story, but why don't you share with us the, the stresses and the end result of the stresses of having that first big order that you had to fulfill. And that, and that came as a result of, of restaurant startup. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what, what, what happened, I guess, in the, in the order of events was we, we had this opportunity to meet with one of the largest grocery stores in the country. Uh, the, the company's name is Meyer, and uh, we were totally not ready for the meeting. But we had this amazing story because of being on reality TV. So it, we were, and and of course, Venture for America, and being based in Detroit, they are a Michigan-based retailer. So we went in with this story, and no packaging, just a plastic bag of pasta. And uh, I'm talking to to the buyer and I'm like, hey, uh, you know, just thank you for meeting with me. I really appreciate it. He's like, yeah, well, I want it for all my stores. I was like, can we start with 10, please? Uh, you know, I, I would love to do that. And he's like, no, 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 I want it for all my stores. We're doing this. I was like, all right, great. So I guess I better figure out how to make this. Um, and uh, and that, was, that was way more, uh, you know, I knew it was going to be tough, but uh, it actually ended up being... Uh, borderline impossible making this at scale. Um, we went to one of the largest gluten-free pasta manufacturers in the country and uh, just about everything you can possibly imagine went wrong. Um, we, uh, you know, we had this really tight deadline from, from Meyer, and if we couldn't hit it, we, had, we ran the risk of losing the relationship entirely, which is a terrible way to start. So uh, we just, we just had to figure it out. And, you know, we were, we were doing run after run after run and, and, I mean, we we thought that we had mitigated risk. We did a ton of small pilot runs, and they were all coming out the right way, which is bizarre in retrospect. Uh, it was it was almost like the perfect storm. <laughs> and uh, when we scaled it up, like officially after the pilot runs, um, you know, we were just doing again run after run that was just turning to mush. Um, so what, what changes that that something that you've tested before doesn't work in mass production? 
you know, know? I, I do know now, um, and it, it just, it's a really hard product to make. Um, you know, we know a lot of people who have tried to make chickpea pasta and have just given up. And we didn't know it at the time. If I had known it at the time, I probably would have given up uh, sooner. <laughs> Hopefully not. But, uh, you know, it, it just the so. So anyway, um, you know, we, we ended up, you know, we had raised just over $100,000 at the time. A good portion was from the reality TV show. And uh, we burned through about $100,000 in those two weeks. And, uh, you know, I, I talked about this last night, but I just uh, I completely lost it. And, um, you know, I, I did end up getting kidney stones um, just being so unbelievably stressed. I did, I, yes, I did break down into tears. Um, and, and, uh, it was one of those really, really difficult moments. And we had this, uh, we ultimately got it together in a really roundabout way where we took pasta that, you know, you normally boil pasta. Um, we took the pasta that, that normally needs to be boiled and we are like, how can we just find a way to make this, uh, sellable enough so that we don't lose our shirts and, uh, you know, we we te- we tried cooking it in every single way you could possibly think of, and uh, it turned out that it was like okay enough if you if you put it in hot water, uh, similar to like steeping tea. That's how you had to cook this pasta. So you put it in for five minutes, leave it there, take it out, and we took every box that we had printed, twenty thousand of them, and uh, within two days to meet the three day deadline that we had from Meyer, we put twenty thousand stickers on. Uh, <laughs> On, on on all of those boxes and hired like eight temps just just to figure it out it was it was just a complete uh it was calamity <laughs> but it ended up working Meyer was happy with them they reordered yeah yeah they're still you know, a customer to this day they are, they are still a customer today um it was it was not a product that we were proud of um but we knew that it was in everyone's best interest Meyer would have been in a tough place because they had already given us shelf placement if we couldn't put something there it just would have been empty um, so we we ultimately did what was best for everyone, and um, you know I, I just hope that anyone who tried that earlier product, uh, they're listening to this episode and they know the story, uh, so they can they can hopefully forgive us for <laughs> for if they had a bad cooking experience. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast, a show about entrepreneurs and their stories. So you you had $100,000 in funding at that point, and $100,000 in inventory went out the window. Um, at that point thereafter, are you self-funding through sales? Yeah, yeah. So, so we ended up um, we we ended up raising a little bit more just to fill in the gaps, um, and then shortly thereafter, um, we actually got uh, an award uh, from Venture for America and UBS that was forty five thousand dollars, which which certainly helped hold us over, um, which was which was fantastic. Another shout out to VFA for for uh, for helping us out, and. Uh, and and then in that process, we just we we started tightening things up and and figuring out how to to actually make this product good. Uh, lived in again after living in the manufacturing plant all summer. Uh, lived in in now our, our manufacturing plant in Michigan, where we kind of went back to, and um, and was there for for probably two months with with Avery, who's uh, who's our, our via uh, 
team member, co-founder, and also 2014 VFA fellow. I just want to make sure I got that right. You lived in the manufacturing facility. I say lived in because it was basically where I spent 90% <laughs> of my time. <laughs> okay, but you still kept a, kept a separate uh, separate residence. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but it was... It was uh, May as well have been home. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me about the, so tell me about the scale. So you've got Meyer on board now. Um, how do you get from, from one major customer to and a bunch of temps throwing on stickers to 25 people. Where, how are you adding these people? Who are they? What rules? Yeah, yeah. So um, the way that it kind of all unfolded was, again, you know, I, I talked earlier about doing things before we were ready. Um, we just kept doing it. <laughs> so shortly after after um, getting, getting Meyer on board, uh, we got this unbelievable retailer named Sprouts on board. And uh, you know they have they have an additional 200 stores. They're based on the West Coast, a lot like uh, Whole Foods, if you're familiar with Whole Foods. And um, they're they're really good at what they do. And and so we just kept winning these unbelievable retailers over uh, onto our side. And it was again a lot of times just with the passion and the story more than the product. Um, and we knew that we just had to tighten things up on the back end. And so we, we worked nonstop on getting the product better and better. Um, and as we continued to show that there was this demand, uh, it required more and more manpower. So, and so most of the manpower is in manufacturing at this point? Yeah, yeah. So um, without going into too many specifics about how it all breaks down, um, it, it is, you know, those, those 25 uh, people who, who are working on our product um, it, it is a it is a large portion manufacturing. Now our team itself is actually uh, seven, which okay. which is pretty cool. Yeah. And so one of those is your brother. He's uh, yeah. you and I were chatting earlier, so I know that he's he's eight years your senior. Yeah. Um, and you told me that he was the type of brother who would occasionally wail on you and in, in, in an affectionate <laughs> way when he was yeah. a, when he was a kid. Yeah. Uh, when you were a kid, um, would anyone who knew you when you were kids uh, describe partnering with your brother as a smart choice? <laughs> I just don't think anyone would have seen it coming yeah. because he's he's so much uh, he's just he I mean I'll basically just say that you know I, I say this all the time I admire the heck out of my brother uh, and I am so grateful to be working with him and um, I've always looked up to him anyone who knows uh, you know when I was in middle school and high school I talked about my brother nonstop so having the opportunity to work with him has been uh, it, it's just been awesome. Um, and so I, I think anyone who knew me probably would be like, yeah, he would probably love to do that. Um, and, and Scott, just because, um, you know, he, he's got so much experience that, um, you know, I, again, I guess I just feel really lucky. What are the, what are the, what's the division of responsibilities between you and your brother? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Scott's like the very, uh, he's the mature one, I guess, <laughs> um, where I, you know, I, I have this very, like, let's, let's shoot for the stars and, um, you know, I, I, I want to, um, if we can, I would love to bring our price on the shelf down to, uh, you know, $1.99 today, but you know, it's about doing it responsibly. And so he's, he's the responsible voice at the table, um, saying, you know, there's, there's a way that you go about these things and, and you have to manage cash flow. And he's, you know, he's absolutely right. I mean, I am a finance major when it comes down to it, but there's still part of me that's like, let's just do this. Let's just do this. Um, and so the way that it breaks down is he's kind of taking on the, the operations and the financial, uh, role and I'm, I'm going out and doing a lot of the sales. And, and he's in private equity. So, you know, he's got a prestigious job, well-paying job by and large. How do you convince him or, or did he ask, how, how did he end up being your partner in this business? Uh, 
you know, I, I actually think that um, I, I, it's, it's still hard for me to fully piece together how it happened. I mean, he, he wanted to be my advisor uh, and, and uh, take, I guess, equity in the form of, of, of that kind of relationship. And I was like, man, I, I want you as a co-founder. I don't want you as an advisor as part-time. So, um, you know, if we're going to make this happen, then it's just, that's just the way it has to break down. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it was, it actually became a somewhat heated conversation, but, um, ultimately that was, that was how we broke it down. And, um, it, it, it was the best decision I ever made. I am such a big proponent of if you can find someone that you really believe in to start a company with, uh, split it 50, 50, even, I mean, in the beginning, I didn't get a hundred percent of my brother's time and I was okay with that. And now, um, you know, I, we're, we're fortunate enough to have a hundred percent of my brother's time, um, because I think he's fallen in love with what we're doing just as much as I have, but yeah. So what are the, what are the big obstacles facing Bonza? If you could wave your magic wand and make something disappear, what would it be? Yeah. Um, I think if you talked to, uh, we have, if you, if you talk to every single individual member on the team, we'd probably all have a different answer. Um, from my perspective, I, uh, the, the product is like so personal to me, uh, this initial product where I just want everyone who eats it to just fall in love with it. And, uh, it is so hard for me anytime that someone tries it and, uh, they don't immediately fall in love with it. It's like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just want to be like, Hey, you know, don't you realize how amazing this is? Um, and, and be there every single time someone eats the product. But so I guess from my perspective is how can we make this product even better every single day? Um, and, and that's, that's a huge challenge in my mind. Um, but it's also, it's also convincing retailers, um, who, you know, some are very progressive, but some are a little bit more old school and taking the ones who are very progressive and building out this case study with them of, um, of, of the fact that, you know, we are going to change the category of pasta and we want to, um, we, we want to be similar to Chobani, how they changed yogurt, um, the category, the category catalyst of change. And, uh, you know, we're, we're setting that up with a few retailers. So that's the goal is to take those case studies, um, from certain retailers in the Northeast that we're starting to partner up with, who are giving us unbelievable shelf placement and saying, if you treat the product this exact way, you'll see how it outsells everything you've got on the shelf now. So you're in Meyer, you're in Sprouts, um, yeah. but there are, there are even bigger chains out there. If uh, I don't know, Giant came came calling you today, yeah, uh, could you fill an order like that? Yeah, yeah. So we we can. Uh, we're being really selective, actually, about who we choose to work with. Um, and so we do have some other really big names uh, that we're starting to work with. In the next few weeks, we'll be working with Shoprite, Wegmans, uh, HEB. Will be starting in July, which is in Texas. Um, we, so we, we have some really, really great ones on the horizon, but, um, and some other ones that I'll keep my, uh, my fingers crossed that, you know, until the eyes are dotted. But, um, the, the, the thing is that there, that we want to do this right, where again, we build out these case studies and then we take those case studies and we build the perfect relationship where we can say, here's where it should be on the shelf to get to the numbers that you want. So I talked about you hiring your brother. You're, you're also notable for. Are you the first VFA fellow to hire a VFF VFA fellow? That, let that alone did three, happen. Let alone three. Now, no, we are we are at three. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So how, I mean, how special is that for you? And and how are they working out? I mean, I, I don't want to make you give the live progress report. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> my God. Uh, so Avery joined us uh, when we were still having these manufacturing issues, and he is just 
he's fantastic. Um, also a just, I, I, I have this whole theory with how we're building out our team where every single person should be better than uh, the, the last. And, and so as we've been hiring, it's just been um, unbelievable to see uh, the kind of quality that we've been able to bring on board. And uh, I, yeah, Avery, Avery's amazing. Uh, he's just got the best attitude I think I've, I've ever found in anyone. Like we, we work six days a week and generally seven, but you know, we go to farmer's markets every Saturday and, and we don't stop. We wake up at five in the morning, every Saturday morning. So that means your weekend is basically killed. Um, and he doesn't, he's never complained once. It's, it's pretty unbelievable. And, and you have two more that are about to join? Is that about to join. Gotcha. Yeah. They haven't gotcha. started yet. Gotcha. We're okay. feeling good about them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, five in the morning, you're out there on a Sunday at, at Eastern market. Um, you know, is that, is that a, is that a PR thing? Is it is it good for sales or what? What's the it, what is the uh, the impetus for for still going to to a local market? Unless I'm unless I don't really understand the magnitude of Eastern Market in Detroit. Yeah, Eastern Market's amazing, um, and we do we give out samples to anyone who will actually come over and try it, um, and and it and a lot of people do. Uh, we, we found it to be in, incredibly successful from uh, from just just actually selling it, which wasn't our initial intention, um, but. But it, um, it, it's actually really great for just getting immediate customer feedback. So we, we go in there and we try out our new shapes there. Uh, we give out samples to, to every single demographic you can possibly imagine comes to this market. And uh, having, having all of that kind of feedback almost immediately and uh, it's also awesome practice just, just for seeing what really resonates with people, what we want our brand messaging to be and what works even with, with different demographics, what people really respond to. When you're standing there and you're giving out free samples, do you, do you have, I, I always feel the guilt. I feel like as long, once I've eaten something, I'm obliged to purchase it. But you see the people who go and they take one and they start <laughs> pushing it, they take the second, the third. Oh, yeah. And they come back wearing like a glasses and a fake mustache or something like that. <laughs> and they buy, they take the fifth, sixth. Or you, My, ever like, yeah. or you ever have to say like, beat it, you've had enough free stuff or you just sit there and smile. <laughs> you know what? It's actually a good sign if people keep taking it. So um, I, I, I'm never complaining about it. I do find it kind of funny that people who think they're really sneaky and keep coming back and they're like, oh, maybe they weren't looking. And I'm like, no, please keep, keep coming back. Just as long as you say nice things. <laughs> right. What's that? So, so my understanding is you're not taking a salary right now. Correct. When do you start taking a salary? Um, you know, I, I ultimately do need to take a salary. So I, I think that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably later this year. Um, it's, it's all about... Um, you know, just, just managing cash flow, um, and, and, you know, making sure, you know, we just raised money. Um, we wanted to make it clear to our investors that we're committed to, um, you know, to not immediately paying ourselves just because they immediately funded it. So, um, that, that is a big part of it as well. So you're in talking to you, you're, you're committed to Detroit. You really have enjoyed Detroit. You could have started this company anywhere. Why did you stay? Yeah. Um, so there's a big part of it, which is manufacturing close to Detroit, uh, which we didn't we didn't always know is going to work out that way. It kind of was a just absolute luck. Um, and then and then so so actually being able to be so close to our manufacturing um, and and being a part of it. But then um, the other part is, is being in the middle of the country when you're making a product, a physical product and the shipping advantages. Um, there's also a really great community in Detroit, and when you're when you're trying to do something in Detroit, the the support you get is is pretty unbelievable. Um, I, I I know that there's like a cool food community in Brooklyn, and I think that that's you know I love that, 
but there's there's something happening in Detroit when when you're trying to do something you see the way that people just just they love Michigan they love Detroit and uh, it's I'm just I guess I'm just grateful to be a part of it. So you've, you've you've said already that you you want to model yourself after Chobani. Yeah. Three, four, five, six years from now, what does Bonza look like? So uh, there there are a few goals for Bonza. Uh, Bonza, the the chickpea pasta product. Uh, if we've succeeded, that means that everyone's eating chickpea pasta instead of pasta, which is a really ambitious goal. Um, but if we can get 50% of all pasta purchases to then be chickpea pasta, then we've achieved it. Um, and, and so that's that's what Chobani did, right? Now 50% of all yogurt sales are Greek yogurt. And with a higher protein version and less allergenic version, similar to almond milk, which is this whole other great case study, I think that there's something really there. So our goal is to make it the no-brainer option and then in the process same way that Chobani has created thousands of jobs in upstate New York I, I I would feel I would just be so happy if we could do the same thing in Michigan a couple thousand jobs in Detroit uh, yeah. certainly couldn't couldn't uh, hurt I would it, that would be like that would mean that we really did it so what have you seen you've been there for two and a half years in, in Detroit now uh, yeah yeah about almost three now almost three have you seen have you felt like the city's been changing since you since you put your feet on the ground there? Yeah, yeah, um, it, it, it has changed, and even on my block, um, you know, one of the, one of the cool things is my my uh, my roommates uh, they bought this house for eighty two hundred dollars. Uh, it was a seven bedroom house, and uh, it, it wasn't in great shape, but but uh, they fixed it up. And this street that I live on, and it's also our office. It's, uh, it went from having you know, a bunch of vacancies, abandoned homes, to now, uh, when I walk outside of that house, there are almost, you know, probably every two weeks, I get stopped by someone and they're like, are there houses on this street for sale? And it's, it's, it's kind of amazing to see the way that, that certain areas are still being transformed. Uh, you know, it's, it, again, it's, it's far from perfect. There are some areas that are getting a lot worse too. So I don't wanna, I don't wanna sugarcoat it, but um, there are areas that are improving too. Okay, two critical questions before we wrap up here. Yeah. Um, last night, again, at the VFA event, <laughs> my wife started uh, giving you feedback and demanding a, what I looked up, it's a rochette pasta, the, the tennis racket the ten- style, <laughs> yeah, style yeah, pasta yeah, yeah. Uh, for our daughter, Maya. She thinks that's going to be great for kids. The big uh, How, uh, <laughs> you said that that was the third person that night who had asked you about that pasta. And I'm not asking you when you're going to release that pasta. <laughs> pasta. There's my Canadian accent coming in. But are you confronted with pasta advisors everywhere you go? Uh, every single time you, you give a taste test, are people saying, I want this, I want that? Oh, yeah. Which is, which is exactly what I want. Because right. the more I hear something, the more I know that there's demand for it. A lot of it's, it is anecdotal, and there's, maybe there's some quantitative data behind it, too. But you got to take both of those uh, in mind. And I, I have no idea what the numbers are on tennis racket pasta. But when I hear three people telling me it, within probably 15 minutes of each other that they all wish that it was a tennis racket pasta, there's something there. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so it's, uh, it, it is, it's really helpful, actually. <laughs> so almost last question here. Um, how often are you eating your own pasta? <laughs> are you still eating it at this point? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, are you... When you have friends over, are, are you are you ever cooking anything other than bonza for them? <laughs> um, yes, I am definitely still eating it um, almost every day. 
Um, you know, I, I actually love beans. Uh, and that was part of part of this too, is beans are so healthy, but a lot of people get freaked out by the structure. And for me, I don't mind the structure of beans. I don't mind the consistency, but I was getting a little bit tired of it. So now this is my way of just getting my daily beans in every day. Um, and, and so I eat it with breakfast, I eat it with lunch, I eat it with dinner, pretty much there's always chickpea pasta and there's always bonza in the fridge. Uh, and and just last weekend, yeah, I, I had friends over and I made them two different bonza dishes. I'm actually tempted to ask you one other question, which yeah, is, and then, I'll, then I want to give you the last word. Is this as hard as you imagined? Is it harder than you imagined? Is it just different than you imagined? It's it. You know what? That is a really good question. Uh, I, I, it's it's hard in a totally different way than what I expected. I I didn't. I think the things that I, I expected to be challenging, uh, I thought I would be facing a lot of things just always head on. And that's how it started. We were facing these major challenges head on. Um, but sometimes I feel like it's it's just this, there's just so many little things that you have to keep track of. And uh, that has been really hard for me, I think, is just constantly remembering all the little things that are going on around me um, and, and, and you know, learning to be more organized. And as we build out a team, um, learning how to how to, um, you know, how to how to best prepare the team for all the challenges that we're facing too, um, it, yeah. But it, it's been a little bit different than I think I would have expected. I I kind of expected like this this monster that I had to tackle at all all moments, and it did kind of start off that way with the um, with with the manufacturing run. But it's it's just a, it is a little bit different, um, yeah. So I want to make sure that you have the last word. Any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs? Any uh, any words of encouragement for anyone who's considering VFA and your feelings towards the program? Yeah. So so my advice and, and the thing that that's worked well for us at least is uh, always having this story that uh, you really believe in and is really big and really ambitious. So when I say that uh, we want to change pasta and have 50% of all pasta purchases be chickpea pasta, um, I really mean it. <laughs> and so always having this really big vision that you're working towards, uh, I, think it, I think it can really not only inspire you just to remember what you're working towards, but to, um, just, just to have that even, even for a team that you're building. And then uh, of course, uh, I could speak to all lengths about Venture for America as a program. Um, it's 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 a program that just it it really does mean so much to me. Um, without without Venture for America, um, I would be doing something totally different. I would not be living in Detroit. It just it really is an incredible program, and I would recommend that anyone who is still trying to figure out what they want to do in their lives uh, really give Venture for America a good hard look because. Uh, they, they will support you every step of the way. Fantastic. What a great place to end. Brian Rudolph, thanks so much for, for being here, and good luck with Bonza. It's an amazing story. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> really appreciate it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.